The Chat Room. Chat Room. Every Wednesday from 8 to 9 p.m. 8 to 9 p.m. on Power FM. Exactly eight minutes after eight. A very big, big welcome to you if you're listening from Bramfontein. It's 88.1 for you. Otherwise, www.vowfm.co.za. It's exactly that time of the evening. A lovely Wednesday evening. And of course, that means welcome to it. The show is hashtag the chat room right here on Vowfm. 88.1 with myself, Michael Benevolent, and the beautiful Amuhelang Amplified Reunited. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good to be back. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is uh, our last edition of the year. Yeah, we're closing up. We're rounding up the year. We are rounding up and really what better way to round up than for us to have some really interesting conversations regarding current affairs and news in South Africa. Of course, all the best of news, actuality and current affairs as Amu has just mentioned it coming to you all wrapped up in just an hour. Um, and tonight's topic, well, we're all about family side in South Africa, um, a subject, you know, that I feel often goes unspoken of. But, mm. you know, as per usual, it's actually extremely pivotal to dissect. Mm. Right. So if you might be aware, you know, if you might not rather be aware of this phenomenon, um, it refers to a type of murder or a murder suicide in which a perpetrator kills multiple close family members in quick succession that is and you know most often it's the children it's the relatives um, it's the spouse and it's the siblings you know or, or their parents as well um, and in half of the cases also the killer then lastly kills themselves mm. in a murder suicide so I know something we often speak to is you know genocide femicide but like you said family side is something that we're not paying a lot of attention to but it's surprisingly something that is happening so so family side is also known as family annihilation. Mm. And um, some of the roots of family side are rooted in, you know, so colonialism and sort of bringing down uh, the family structure. But these are, of course, things that we will be talking about throughout the show. Michael, remind us who our guests are for today. I mean, you know, I might as well do that because I think everyone is always that part that they look forward to, right? Sure. Um, the best part of our show. And tonight to help us unpack the topic of family side, We'll be chatting to Alicia Ramhara, you know, pardon me if I'm mispronouncing the surname, um, who is, you know, who unfortunately suffered a a tragic loss and a tragedy, experienced one um, where his father murdered not only himself, but also his mother um, and their two siblings as well. And later on, after that interview, of course, Keshni Matu, who is a wellness counselor and a family law mediator, will also join in to help us unpack the, you know, the topic of family, family side, that is. Absolutely. So I'm really looking forward, rather, to being part of that conversation. And of course, we are not doing this alone. You, our listeners, I am encouraging you uh, to feel free to be part of the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at VowFM. You can also WhatsApp us on 084-0784-912. It is hashtag the chat room on VowFM 88.1. Forget what the little birdie told you. Follow us, follow us, follow us at BoFM and join the conversation. The main Which phrase do you normally use when you're about to make a bad financial decision? Like, you know, it's going down. It's going you down. Yeah, I get a 16, they're just around the corner, and you probably got paid at a 15, and you're just thinking, hmm, that's his own last line in 31st. But you know what? If we die, we die. I'm in Angeling, it doesn't. So, you're a pass course. So, born, and you're I use the phrase that I feel in my 
Tell us. I use, I just say any little money I get is for my enjoyment. Any money where I get like this, any little change, now enjoyment. The main switch every weekday from seven to nine here only on Power FM eighty eight point one. Don't worry about my future. I'm gonna think about my future next year. The main switch. The chat room. The chat room. Breaking down what you need to know. Share it. 12 minutes after 8 the chat room right here on Wow FM 88.1 um, with myself Michael Benevolent and Amuhelang Amplified we're taking you all the way to that 9pm mark and we are dissecting the topic of family side in South Africa tonight um, and two publications that stand out the most rather or most worth um, one is by Grazer which was published in 1992 and also that of the Human Sciences Research Council and they you know they propose two types of family murders that is murder suicide suicide rather where the you know the intent was or is to murder actually um, as well as extended suicide where the primary aim there um, is to commit suicide this of course also suggests that the factors leading to such murders are patterns of social isolation and depression um, of the perpetrator with you know a trigger event such as I would say maybe a loss of a, a job absolutely so we obviously cannot have the conversation about suicide or any kind of mass murder without perhaps considering mental health as a kind of conduit to this kind of behavior. And I know this is something that is quite prominent overseas, but there have been a few cases locally Mm. where we have seen, uh, you know, um, family annihilations. Now, something that is really interesting to me that I came across earlier on is that criminologists have been conducting increasing research into the phenomenon of of, of family side rather and in the process have produced many terms and definitions to describe such acts and distinguish them from each other uh, so like I said family side the family annihilator murder suicides and, and family murders are all terms that have been used to describe cases where a family member has killed other family members now Michael I'm interested to find out from you um, And this might be a bit of a a tough question to answer, but when when you think about family side, don't you often think that the head is usually the one and the head is usually the man who will commit these the murders, murders right yeah. of course um, I think the statistics also support that yeah. right most of the murders that are committed um, they do come at the hands of men mm. most of the time so definitely um, I don't think that's a very difficult question to answer <laughs> <laughs> you it's just get I, me on that one I suppose, it's a, I suppose it's a point of contention because you know we, we again you can't have the conversation without considering you know uh, femicide uh, mm. gender based violence you cannot because usually at the at the head of these uh, murders or injustices are usually men absolutely and so something that i mentioned earlier on is this idea of breaking the family structure and this is why some of family side is rooted in colonialism because the idea really was to break down the black family structure so these are just you know other pockets of conversations that we could go into but Mm. it's just an interesting point that i thought i should i like that you mentioned um colonialism right because i think um it's also a thing where family side in the past and you know presently some people still believe that you you know, it is mostly a thing or a phenomenon or tragic tragedy that only happens within um, 
our white population mm. of South Africa, right? Mm. Um, but other than that, the HSRC research combined quantitative and qualitative methods as well, um, with 15,000 questionnaires sent to service providers, and only 21 of these questionnaires were returned from sure. service providers, and with very few having, you know, experience of working with such cases and with such families. So, you know, that for me raises the question of how common really family side is mm-hmm. in South Africa and how well reported as well as how well documented it is. Yeah, so an interesting fact, especially coming off of the question that I just asked you, is an article from theconversation.com where it states that men and women kill their children in roughly equal numbers and we need to understand why. Obviously, this is a, an article that our listeners can go and read further on for themselves, but it's basically just speaking to this idea of how we will always pin the man as the perpetrator when this article really purports that it's both men and females mm. that are, are, are sort of engaging in this family annihilation and again it goes to the idea of a mental health perhaps issue mm. it's not it's it's not uh, limited to males yeah right i think the whole you know phenomenon of family side is actually you know it goes back to mental health mm. like you mentioned i think we you know that's that's we it's grounded mm. absolutely um the study i mentioned before also then concluded that family m- murder rather was you know a result of complex interrelationship like we just mentioned of social as well as psychological factors within the family and in particular the marital relationship being dysfunctional so for me it just reminds me of an example of a woman saying to her partner that she wants to leave him and this kind of triggers a kind of rage in him where he finds himself now uh, retaliating against the family instead of trying to find ways to perhaps move past the relationship. So I think there may be various reasons as to why someone might uh, behave that way but I do feel like it's something that is most likely to happen in a a very personal relationship Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. an intimate relationship if you will. I suppose the curiosity for me is then, you know, there must be a fine line between or what is the fine line between gender-based violence and family, and family side? side right? right? I think it's it's a matter of intensity and severity. Okay. Um, not to take anything away, of course, from gender-based violence because it can be as severe as well. Mm. But I think family side is more, you know, it's more gruesome in it nature is. in the sense that you have one individual taking it upon himself to, you know, take another lives or the lives rather um, of people and beloveds, mm. you know, people who one would, you know, are supposed to be your family. And I suppose, again, you know, we, we need to you, we need to stretch the conversation beyond just the, the perpetrators, but also think about the forgotten victims, mm. which are usually the kids, Yeah, you know. Uh, so I read a story earlier on, unfortunately, I cannot recall the specifics, but, you know, uh, a, a, a man had now shot his wife and, and shot his kids, but then one of the kids survived. Right. Now you can imagine what that does to a young child mm. who has witnessed this this incident. What do you make of that? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Where do you even start with it? Yeah. Uh, now when we come back, we'll be chatting to Alicia Ramdera, we know who suffered the tragedy of losing his father who murdered himself after murdering his you know two siblings as well as um, their mother. And later on, um, Keshni Mati wellness counsellor and family law mediator also joins in on the topic and we'll also be taking in some of your responses on Twitter um, and Instagram we are at VowFM otherwise you can send in your your voice notes rather on 0840784912 you're still listening to the chat room 
Voice of Vits has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to broadcasting news that is accurate, comment that is fair, and programming that is not harmful to children, does not amount to hate speech, and contains no gratuitous violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to the code, you may inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to BCCSA, PO Box 412365, Craig Hall 2024, or send a fax to... 011-325-5376 or an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za For more information, please visit www.bccsa.co.za This is The Chat Room on VFM. The time has just gone 21 minutes past 8 p.m. You are still tuned into hashtag the chat room on VAWFM 88.1. And of course, today we are talking family side in South Africa. Now, without further ado, on the line, we do have Alicia Ramdari, who is the author of Orphaned by Suicide. Alicia, how are you? Hello, Alicia. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for joining us on the chat room. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Right, um, we get straight into it, Alicia. Um, your mother, brother and sister were murdered by your father, um, you know, who also then unfortunately and tragically committed suicide himself. Um, I'd like for you to please just take us through that experience, that heart-wrenching experience at the time. Okay, we go back to the 11th of December, 1999. I was 12 years old at the time. And I had come to know that my dad shot my mom, my brother, my sister, and then himself. I was lucky not to be there to witness anything. Hearing this news was actually a shock to my system. I couldn't believe that my dad would actually do something like that. And um, I would say I was in utter denial of the entire thing. Right. Um, and how do you remember your father, Alicia, you know, prior to this tragic incident? Because you say yourself that it was a shocker to you. So were there no signs, you know, of your father, your father rather being a violent man before? My dad was not a violent or abusive man in any way. Mm. He came across as a very loving family man. We always went together as a family. Dad provided the best for myself, my siblings, and my mom. Yes, there were arguments between uh, my parents. Obviously, you know, in any any marriage is argument. But nothing that would raise flags. I'm not sure if it raised flags amongst family members. But being a 12-year-old at that time, you don't actually take note of red flags. You wouldn't know what to actually look for. Now, Alicia, you mentioned that you were only 12 years old at the time. I'm curious to find out from you then, um, as an adult and as you've, you've gone over the years and matured into the woman that you are, what do you think could have been some of the reasons for your father um, killing your entire family? 
Well, I've touched on a few aspects in my book about it, and it boils down to stress, uh, financial issues, as well as infidelity problems. Hmm. And when I look back, I would not have seen this as well. You know, um, children were always kept away from certain things. And over the years, this is what I have found out that could have been the possible reasons. But overall, you know, what my dad did, only he would know what he had gone through during that time frame that he had to think of doing such a um, uh, a tragic act. Mm. And to my knowledge, um, Alicia, your father actually requested that you stay behind in Johannesburg, right? Um, am, I, am I correct in saying that? Yes, he did request that I stay in Johannesburg while they travel back down to Durban. So, and I'm sure you've asked yourself the very same question repeatedly as well. Why do you think that was the reason? Why did he make that particular request to you? And why you and not your other siblings? You know, it's part of one of the unanswered questions and again it's only my dad that would know why he left me there were um, things that I heard through the grapevine that I was left behind in Johannesburg to be uh, straightened out apparently I had a big mouth so that is why I was left behind Sure. and I would never know uh, it's still a question there are many questions that have rooted from various in- interviews and you know Whatever the case may be, I think I was just made to stay behind because I had a purpose that needed to be completed. I think that's a very um, beautiful way to look at it. Um, I think Amu can agree with me in saying that. Um, but upon the incidents as well, Alicia, that meant that you, like you mentioned, were 12 years old at the time. You are, you know, orphaned um, suddenly and abruptly. Um, who then took the role of your guardian and, you know, take you through the different life transitions to where you are today? Okay, I stayed with various family members in my maternal home. At first, I stayed with the aunt that I was left with when my dad went down to Durban. I stayed with her for about one and a half to two years. Afterwards, I was sent to my grandmother, my maternal grandparents, and they were legally appointed as my my guardian, uh, as per my dad's will. And my grandparents took after uh, took care of me then. And due to them being, you know, at a very elderly age and to help me with homework and stuff at that time it was a bit of concern it was difficult yes i was then um adopted by my mom's younger sister and that is where i lived for the remaining few years of some of my schooling career and working career uh, thank you so much for sharing that, Alicia. And, you know, just before I continue with the rest of the questions, I was uh, myself, um, you know, sort of a firsthand sort of uh, witness to my dad's suicide. And so something that I often do when I'm trying to get to a better space is to remember the times that I had a, a, or remember the good memories that I have of him. So I suppose the question that I want to ask you is, um, you know, you mentioned making your father proud. 
so how did you manage to find forgiveness for him? Because I imagine that there was, there was, a, there was a lot of anger and there was a lot of misunderstanding and there were a lot of gray areas. So how did you get to a space of forgiveness? Sure, that process was extremely hard. I wouldn't lie to you and say that it was something that, you know, you just go to bed and the next morning you're like, okay, I'm forgiving. Mm -hmm. I was angry at my dad. I was angry at my mom Mm -hmm. for leaving me behind in this this cruel world. You know, you yearn for your parents and your siblings. You want them on a daily basis. You can't hear their, their voices or watch them smile or give you that hug. And the turning point for me, I guess, was when I decided that it's time for me to change and accept what has happened. What had happened at that time was a decision that my dad had made. And I shouldn't be the one to judge and keep any harsh feelings against any of my parents. So I decided to actually look at myself in changing myself on a more in a more positive way and from there that's where the forgiveness started coming in mm. i forgave my dad wholeheartedly i forgave my mom wholeheartedly and from there on out it's just been a positive mindset a positive lifestyle for me mm. Mm. And I must commend you, Alicia, for being able to move past that point of darkness. And perhaps you haven't uh, entirely uh, moved, but you are moving through that point of darkness. And now you were able to find uh, uh, an out, an outlet in your creative expression of your book. Perhaps it's not the, it's it's not necessarily creative, but it's an it's an expression, right? So, how did you find the strength to write and publish your book, Orphaned by Suicide? Often by suicide actually started off as a venting mechanism Mm. for myself. I would write down things that would make me angry and things that made me sad and, you know, all those unhappy, dark feelings. And through my life, what has happened to me and, you know, the people in my life and how I felt that I needed support. So... It just stayed as that until I started sharing my story to colleagues and friends. And they found inspiration in in me still, you know, being here today and being alive with such attitude and, you know, that positive vibe towards life and to love life to the fullest. And it was only, I think, after 2006, I decided, okay, we would let this be a fully-fledged autobiography. Mm. Obviously, in between the years, I stopped writing. It was extremely emotional at times to jot down everything. And obviously, I only wrote when I remembered something. Because, you know, as you go on in your life, your mind tends to block out certain aspects. Mm. And especially those tragic moments where, you know, you just want to block it out. You don't want to remember it. So it was really a, a, a roller coaster the past three years for me trying to get this book done. Last year, July, I resigned from my job to focus on this book and getting it out there. And that is where my strength came from. And with support from my husband and my family and in-laws and friends, I I had to do it to save lives out there to let them know that suicide 
along with other aspects that I face, it shouldn't bring you down. It should be something that you move past because you are stronger than that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and Alicia, I'm really, really just, you know, happy to, to hear that the reception rather of your book, um, often by suicide by those around you left behind, um, as well as the general public as well has been positive. I, I'm really happy to hear that, it, you know, it has also helped you find the healing or, you know, move, a, you know, a step closer to the healing that you, you know, so, you know, very much deserve. Um, and from my side, lastly, Alicia, I would just like to know whether, you know, you think family side is a subject matter that is important for South Africans to learn um, and educate themselves about? Oh, yes, definitely. You know, there are so many stigmas that surround us on a daily basis. And these are one of the things that we need to talk about. We need to talk about family secrets. We need to talk about what is going on in our household on a daily basis. Yeah. And the more we speak about it, the more open we become, the easier it is for us to reach out for help. And the easier it is for our children to follow in that generation of, you know, it's okay to not be okay. I can reach out for help. When I'm a family person, it's okay to go through certain things and it's okay that I speak about it, you know. It's it's so important. It really is very important. Definitely is important. Um, and on that note, Alicia, thank you so so much for your time. Thank you for your courage and bravery as well um, for opening up and sharing your story. And I do definitely believe that you know it will make a difference, um, at least in one life out there tonight. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, if anyone is interested in purchasing my book, it is available from my website www.alisharamdari.co.za www.alisharamdari.co.za is where you can get the book and on that note when we come back we chat to wellness counsellor and family law mediator Kesni Matu stay with us there's more heat than what melts the ice what melts the ice and it's all here on VFM. Feel it. VFM Drive. We are so excited to be here with you again on a beautiful Thursday, a quarter to the weekend. I'm sorry, what? I think you don't know maths. What? It's quarter to a weekend uh, Thursday. Yes. Isn't it Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Quarter to. Quarter to. Today is, we're already 5 to, not quarter to. Listen to how weird this sounds. It starts tomorrow. Monday is like... Let's do this. The weekend is a music artist. It's fine. Catch the Barfam Drive every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. The chat room. Chat room. Every Wednesday from 8 to 9 p.m. 8 to 9 p.m. on Power FM. It is 35 minutes after 8. You're still tuned in to the chat room right here on VowFM 88.1 with myself, Michael Benevolent, and Amuhelang Amplified. Um, we're with you all the way until 9 p.m. We are deep delved into dissecting the matter of family side. You know, a very tragic and a bit, you know,
I think it's a subject that is very hard to swallow. But it's a, it's a tough important. conversation to have. Yeah. And, um, you know, something that I can take away from what our guest just spoke about is really just, I suppose, you know, making the decision to move past the tragedy and really just trying to make something out of it. You know, like I said earlier on, I... You know, I lost my father to suicide mm. and um, to this day, it's still not something that we have openly spoken about in the family. Yeah. And I know Alicia spoke about transparency and it just got me thinking about the lack of transparency and, and the lack of communication in our families where... You know, we, we find ourselves now at the end of a situation uh, or at the end of a tragedy when mid-tragedy or, or, or mid-context uh, we could have had the conversation. So I definitely think it's something... And I think... I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Um, I think the, the exact same thing that, you know, motivated Alicia to take the interview today. Like she mentioned um, that these, these type of conversations need to be had within the family. I think that's the same, um, you know... I think motivation that led you to even opening up about your mm. own personal experiences tonight. Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, Michael, like when it happened, I remember I had to go to school the following day mm. and everyone, if so everyone knew for some odd reason, everyone knew that something had happened in my family. And every time somebody asked me what had happened to my dad, I would cringe because although I didn't know it at the time, I understood that there's a shame around mm, what happened it, yeah. and there's definitely still a stigma attached to you know suicides and there's still a, t- a stigma attached to i guess family yeah, sides it's almost like you have people be there for you but not you know fully there for you absolutely, as well absolutely absolutely that interview from Kesni Matu, I believe we have her on the line, counsellor and family law mediator we get right into that right now Kesni a very big welcome to the chat room uh, thank you for having me, Michael, and for raising this very, very important topic. Absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, it is a very important um, conversation, which is why we don't want to waste any more time, rather. Um, what are some of the reasons, you know, from you that historically and presently for some people that I mentioned and um, that family side is viewed and was viewed as a phenomenon that is only experienced by the white population of the country? Um, you know, what do the statistics say? Are, are they in support of this? Well, I think you made a good point earlier when we were discussing, you know, it is, it's normally reported. You know, where is it normally reported? What are the reporting lines in terms of what we see? And all of the statistics show only what is reported. And that shows that there is a higher, um, you know, uh, ability for us to check in the more westernized countries, um, which is of a more Caucasian nature than, than we have. However, it doesn't mean that it's not existing in our cultures. You also talked uh, you know, hit on the topic of is it just a men thing? Is yeah. it just done by men? And we've also found that, uh, rightfully so, you guys brought up women kill people too. Yeah. But again, it's reported, and what we see in the newspapers is that men are usually the ones that are seen to be killing their families. There's not a lot of research around this, so mm-hmm. it's seen as quite rare. But the question is is it really rare, or is it just the occurrences that we see? Right. You know. And why do you think, you know, are the, some of the reasons why in most cases of family side, you know, they're usually followed by the perpetrator then killing themselves as well? Well, you know, if we look at, at suicide as a whole, we look at why people um, commit suicide, we can see immediately that there is an element of psychological instability, right? Mm. So, 
Um, if you look at the surveys that we do have, like the Scandinavian uh, Journal of Public Health, it says that, you know, all of the perpetrators in those 30 studies that they looked at all did search for help. They did seek out help. But unfortunately, they didn't receive it, which means those people were going through um, warfare within, you know, not just mental health-wise, but psychological well-being. And what we don't really comment on is, is spirituality. They had no sense of passion. They had no sense of purpose. And all eight domains of their wellness was being challenged. And so when they embark on these acts of femicide and they do kill their families, they don't see themselves in the future. Mm. They don't see themselves as having hope. Mm. And this is what we need to understand. It's deeper than just mental. It's psychological and it's spiritual impact that these people are feeling. Sure. So, you know, we're obviously looking at family side and we're looking at the, the, the context of a family. Yeah. And I suppose I'm keen to find out from you, are stepchildren more prone to being victims of family side? Well, when you look at, at the occurrences and you look at the connection between a biological parent and their child, there would organically be a deeper sense of protection. Yeah. Right? There's something called the Cinderella effect. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's, it's, it's well known. And they say that, you know, 40 to 100 percent of children um, that are murdered or maimed usually are stepchildren. Sure. However, it is being challenged now to say that is it actually the fact that they are stepchildren and that's why they kill in, in the example that you're giving, which is femicide? Or is it perhaps because that individual, that male in this case, is married into a family where there was an existing relationship with mother and children? Mm. And could that have been a dynamic as opposed to the dynamic of them just being stepchildren? Mm. Um, so one of the major indicators is that, you know, why men kill is that they have a loss of control over their masculine domain. They feel inadequate. They feel they can't provide or protect. And this does go into that uh, stepchildren dynamic where if mom is seen as the primary caregiver, the one that's always right, it could be a reason why the abuse is towards the stepchild. And, you know, um, our guest before you, you know, touched on the fact that, you know, he, she, having grown up, she feels that some of the reasons why um, her father, you know, did what he did was yeah. some of the, he was triggered rather by some of the stress that he was facing um, financially, um, as well as some of the infidelity that he was also, you know, enduring. Do you think mm-hmm. that some of, those are some of the triggers that happen or rather um, uh, result um, or some of the causes? It could be, you know, it could be, again, we're looking at those eight domains, you know, emotional, environmental, financial, intellectual, occupational, physical, social, and then spiritual. And we're saying that all of these play an impact, you know, in why this happens. But people kill their families for different reasons. You have the disappointed killer. That's someone who thinks their family doesn't maybe live up to their ideals, right? Mm the self-righteous killer and they they are on a revenge path perhaps but you also get the paranoid killer the one that kills their families to protect them from something worse happening to them and they don't necessarily want to leave their families in this world that they don't trust anymore so there are so many different variations we never know because these people don't survive you know, mm-hmm. so it's very difficult for us to preempt or to, to decide for them. 
But whatever the reason was, it was definitely something that where they were pulled beyond their realm of resiliency mm. and within their, without um, any support mechanisms. Mm. I suppose a question that I have just coming off of what you've just said about how, you know, now the killer has died and you really can't get any more insights as to the motive behind their actions. Is this why it becomes increasingly hard then to document or to sort of get more research about uh, uh, family sides? Absolutely. Uh, not only is the prevalence, you know, seemingly small, but also the first-hand accounts of these um, deaths and of these killings of their own family is, is very rarely documented. Mm. So Alicia is a sole survivor, but even she was not there when this happened. Yeah. So she cannot say for sure exactly why it happened. You used your example so beautifully to share your lived experience and you will never be able to say why it happened in that way mm-hmm. you know so it's it's difficult to quantify you know it's difficult to make sense of it and remember society also doesn't want to understand and believe mm-hmm. that a father can kill their family mm-hmm. we, we don't want to understand that but animals in nature eat their young sure. you know so there is that that push where we start to say to ourselves everyone has the ability what pushes these people over and usually what is found is that there is a lack of resources and a lack of belief in these men because men get penalized for straying from masculine norms Mm. so if they are not strong if they are not bold if they do not have it together if they are not the provider they are penalized for that and many people cannot take that that expectation that society has on them Mm, mm. and as gruesome as the act is um you know um alicia also mentioned how you know part of her shock came from the fact that um his father was typically a responsible and respectable citizen even Mm -hmm. though he had you know his flaws but so does every other human being so i'm really glad that you also touched on the multiple multiple reasons that could actually lead um someone to actually committing um something like family side absolutely normal people pushed beyond scope of reason and resiliency is why this happens You know, what is their state of being? Why do they feel so helpless and hopeless? And you know what happens? We walk around in society as men and women, and we portray that we are mentally well. But how are we doing invisibly on the inside? Mm. You know, when we go home, we are now compounded, and the people that are around us are the ones that usually bear the brunt of what we feel, either as a way to avenge or as a way to protect. And these are normal people that do extraordinary things. Kesni, now where exactly can, you know, the victims of family side or any form of domestic abuse then seek the help that they so very much need? Yeah, my advice is you need to reach out wherever you can. You know, we do have institutions like SADAC that has the suicide line. Go to your local police station or your local minister or your local spiritual healer. Reach out to a counselor. Speak to a friend, you know. Sometimes when we put expectations on people, they don't want to necessarily walk into a certain organization or a certain room for the stigma attached to it. But speak, speak, you know. And we as a society need to start speaking more. So if somebody does say, I want to commit 
suicide, instead of saying, oh, you know, it's going to be fine, or if they say I want to kill my loved ones, instead of them saying it'll pass, Mm. sit in the grittiness with them. Mm. Speak to them about suicide. Let's normalize an abnormal uh, phenomenon. And let's start the conversation going. And in this way, we'll create a legacy where the risk is minimized. Mm. Minimize the risk at all costs, Kesni. Um, Wellness counselor and family law mediator, thank you so, so much for joining us and taking the time tonight. Thank you so much for having me. When we come back, we take in some of your responses. We hear what you had to say with regards to family, family side rather in South Africa. Um, you can keep them coming on 0840784912. Otherwise, we are at Vowfem on Twitter and on Instagram. Keep it locked. Free at time alert. Drop us a WhatsApp voice note on 084-078-4912 and get your free time on air. See what I did there? The second annual Valfem Awards are calling you. Yes, you. We want you to nominate our community builder of the year and help us thank the people and organizations that made a difference in the year 2021. Help us spread positivity and light in our community by going onto our Twitter page to access the tweet pinned onto our profile, which contains a link that can allow for you to suggest and motivate for your community builder of the year. If it stood out for you, we care about it. Valfem 2021 Awards. Voice of Wits has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to broadcasting news that is accurate, comment that is fair, and programming that is not harmful to children, does not amount to hate speech, and contains no gratuitous violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to the code, you may inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to BCCSA, PO Box 412365, Craig Hall 2024, or send a fax to... 011-325-5376 or an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za For more information, please visit www.bccsa.co.za The Chat Room The Chat Room Breaking down what you need to know Share it Listening to some of your voice notes right now as we speak to the topic of family side, uh, we are going to play some of the responses that you, our listeners, may have had to say regarding this topic. Uh, yeah, it's very common. Well, from what I've, from the cases I've heard about, it's usually a former soldier or current soldier or former police or current police officer and I suppose the excessive exposure to violence um, is is a factor because always seeing people die in front of you and having to process that as a normal day-to-day thing can't be normal you know um you can't experience that type of thing and still be a normal human being without having to go through any form of counseling, you know, and um, you find a lot of the times it's also about control, you know, where they are found in a situation where they're with their wife or partner is trying to leave them 
with the kids or whatever and then because they cannot mitigate the situation the only language they know is killing because um, my sister went through police academy and one of the things they were told was you know it's super heartless you know because the things you're going to see you're going to hear when you're an officer are gonna require you to be heartless and be detached you know so uh, i would assume with the military tours so isn't they in yalo i think and then well south africa has a very long history of violence in general Sure. Uh, quite the interesting reflection there from our listener. Uh, he he went into quite a few yeah. uh, strains of of you know issues that relate to the topic of of family side. And I know for me, a big thing is the idea of um, you know the police force. I suppose. Yeah. Sort the military of, base as well. Yeah. Sort of. Um, you know, tattooing this idea in your mind that you have to, like, no mercy, mm. be relentless. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And I suppose South Africa also has a very uh, complex relationship with violence. In general. In general. So I suppose it really just speaks to uh, a bigger problem that is now showing its ugly head in our interpersonal relationships. I think we definitely need, uh, we need to tap into a lighter mode absolutely <laughs> absolutely tonight it's been an insightful conversation absolutely but there's no doubt that it is at the same time very taxing and it takes a lot and it takes a lot out yeah no the, well. the, the energy in the studio is is, is quite intense yeah. as we as we have this conversation and as we unpack this but we're going to go straight into our wrap-up stories and i'm so sorry to do this but <laughs> our first wrap-up story is about a mozambican polygamist who was murdered by one of his six wives in Brits. So if 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 the perpetrator was a woman, are we still talking about family side? Because we've been looking at it predominantly from the male, the male as a perpetrator yeah, yeah, perspective. Yeah. So I just found it really interesting that this woman, Elena Mashaba from Brits, uh, premeditated her husband's murder. She even conspired with uh, the other wives to make this happen, to which they obviously declined. She has unfortunately been sentenced to life in prison. So, uh, so a very interesting uh, perspective on family side and also polygamy. So much know? for a lighter note. So, <laughs> so much for a lighter note. <laughs> as, we, as the conversation was moving along, I realized that actually I didn't read the room. But um, I'll move it along swiftly yes. uh, to our second wrap-up story. Um, as you know, I'm a huge advocate for unearthing and celebrating South Africa's hidden gems. And so getting to see South Africa's top five most exciting startups really uh, excited me. So now you're on the right track. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, with the tumultuous nature of COVID-19, this year's entry saw many social impact organizations standing out, said the CEO of Heavy Chef, um, uh, excuse me, who, who, Excuse me. So these awards are presented by Heavy Chef and the CEO hmm. of Heavy Chef spoke to how the, the prevalence of, of COVID-19 really made it a very difficult time for entrepreneurs. But he was really interested to see uh, the, the various organizations that stood out. Right. Um, so the top five uh, startups.
stocks in South Africa at the moment are Livestock Wealth, founded by Untutugo Shezi, uh, Valenture Institute, a private high school created by Robert Paddock, Kusini Water, a social enterprise founded by Murendi Mafuno, which is uh, really just driving the initiative for access to clean water. Um, and the fourth uh, startup is FCB.ai, an AI-powered chatbot founded by Antoine Palisot. Please excuse my uh, pronunciation. And of course, a home ground, a person that I know, Walk Fresh, which is a boutique sneaker cleaning and shoe care startup founded by Litabu Mugwena. So I think that's a really uh, light and uh, fun way to leave the show where we're looking at our entrepreneurs and the various ways that they are contributing to our economy and really just our youth dynamic. And they made me feel better as well. So that <laughs> makes me feel better. Um, Amuhelang Amplified delivering the chat room news wrap-up stories. Um, two of them um, in making sure that we round up this year on a light and a very, very high note as well. Otherwise, right there, that has been the chat room wrap-up. That has been the chat room, the very, very last show of, of the year 2021. Just before we go though, Michael, I'm interested to find out from you what was your highlight of the year? And I know it's a tough one. Highs and lows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the entire show, I feel, in its, you know, in its... Yeah, and mm. its whole for me was a highlight. Mm. It was something new. It was something different for me. Um, it was an avenue that I hadn't yet embarked on, but it was always at the back of my mind to want to try it um, and see just how well I could do or how, you know, good enough I could be. Absolutely. So I think the entire show was a highlight for me. I, I managed to accomplish and tick off one goal sure. out of my bucket list. Sure, I absolutely love that. And yeah. um, I must say, I, you know, I came in pretty late into the process but I I felt really welcomed by your energy and I think we really found a great dynamic between the two of us but this cannot go without <laughs> saying shout out to our producer shout out to our Mike. producer resident yeah. producer <laughs> <laughs> Mike thank you so much for always Big showing Mike. up yeah thank you almost so much for always showing up but thank you to you our listeners for, for engaging and yes. for being loyal to the conversations all the time they might be triggering they might be you know very heavy but all the time every Wednesday from 8pm till 9pm you sticked around with us and you went on this joyful and heavy ride with us so for that we can never ever thank you enough otherwise from my side I'm Helang Amplified from my side Michael Benevolent that is I, I keep saying your name so much I'm even calling myself you <laughs> I ain't complaining um, so that is Michael Benevolent and thank of course you. I'm more Amplified it is hashtag the chat room on Vow FM 88.1. And for the last time in 2021, it's good night. This is the chat room on Vow FM.